Yeah, it definitely is similar to like a game as well. And I think one thing that really helped me with StarCraft is the ability to kind of be able to manage or multitask a bunch of different things at the same time. Because especially when you're um, trading stocks, especially if you're doing short term things, you can have a bunch of different stocks on a screen that you're watching at the same time looking for some of those things like I was saying before, if a stock dips really hard, but still there's an overall bullish picture in the market, meaning the overall market is going up, um, then you can do a dip buy on it with an option and make a couple percent that way. And if you're able to find a lot of those opportunities at the right time, then you could be pretty successful if you're really doing short-term trading kind of thing. Some episodes may contain adult themes or explicit language. Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters with your hosts, Walker Neer and Brett Lindley. I'm Walker, and this week we are joined by StarCraft II coach and player Raiden, who's been playing StarCraft II at a high level for the majority of his life. If you'd like to support Pick Up Your Sticks, you can buy us a cup of coffee at our Ko-Fi page, which is ko-fi slash pod. As always, I'm joined by Brett Lindley. Brett, how you doing this week, man? I'm not feeling as esteemed this week, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I left it out on purpose because yeah, I didn't feeling, earn it this week. You know I'm, what I mean? Wow, didn't earn it. <laughs> oh, I see I see how things are going now. All right, I'll remember that. Um, and then, of course, we're get, we're joined by our special guest, uh, Raiden uh, from StarCraft II. Raiden, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, for sure. So... Um, you are a, a primarily a StarCraft II coach, is that correct? Or, or are you also playing at a professional level? So it's a bit of both. Um, I started playing StarCraft actually when I was eight years old. I'm 21 now. My father used to play, um, and he got me into StarCraft II Brood War when I was younger. I used to just kind of play the campaign. Um, and then when StarCraft II came out, I actually didn't get it initially but my brother got it and I would sit there and like watch him play all the time. <laughs> and then I really wanted to get it. So I got it a couple of months later after him. So it was probably about uh, close to 2011 when I got it. Okay. Um, and then a couple months in, I remember I first started in gold league. I played Protoss and I got to about platinum and I decided to switch to Zerg. Um, and then I got into Masters League a couple months in. And then I was in Masters until the end of Wings of Liberty. And then about three months into Heart of the Swarm, that's when I got Grand Masters for the first time with Zerg. Um, and then that's kind of when I got on some professional teams I was playing for. I was on Is Imba previously. I used to jump around to a lot of different teams uh, occasionally. But... I played for some teams and played in a couple minor tournaments. Um, I wanted to be a little bit more involved, at least with like WCS and tournaments like that, but I never really was because of also going to school and how young I was. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that it, it was a little bit hard to convince my parents to also go to in-person tournaments as well. Right. Um, so that was the, the one issue with that. Um, but yeah, and then once I got Grandmasters and Heart of the Swarm, I started getting into coaching. Um, I really enjoyed doing it, and I got a lot of customers and met a lot of people over the years that 
Um, it was a lot of fun to coach and help people out. And I've had a couple of people that I've coached that ended up getting grandmasters and masters leave. Um, I probably coached at least a couple hundred people over the wow. years. They still do it now. And it's probably been, I guess I started back in like 2013 or so. So it's been seven, eight years now. Um, so yeah, it's definitely been quite an experience. Yeah, that's wild. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive. And I say that because I bought StarCraft 2 and uh, landed promptly in bronze league um <laughs> definitely didn't land in gold league definitely didn't make it to master or grandmaster i'm also not like you know some great gamer or something but but so my, i guess my question is just how did you how did you have that level of proficiency that quickly were you watching videos were, were you being coached or, or was it just kind of a natural fit for you I actually never got coached before, although I think it would have helped my process to get better a lot quicker. Um, I think what helped me is that I kind of grew up on the game when I was younger, eight years old, playing Brood War, and kind of got the idea of being able to try and click the keys as quick as I possibly could. And um, then also when I was watching my brother, he was also in bronze. He played Terran at the time. When I was watching him, I'd see all the mistakes that he was making, like not spending his resources or not constantly making workers throughout the game. Simple things like that where I was like, oh, these are all things that I could do when I start playing that would limit my mistakes. And even though when I got placed into gold, I didn't really know a lot of builds at the time. I was at least able to know the basics of constantly making workers and spending resources on something. Um, so that kind of got me at least into gold. And then I, I guess I improved on kind of those basic things. And that's when I got into platinum in about like a month or so. And then what really helped me is I did want to try taking the game seriously. And it's pretty much the only thing I really cared about all the time. Like when I get back home from school, that's like the only thing that I would play is StarCraft. And I looked up a lot of different like whoever was like one of the best pro players at the time for like Terran, Zerg or Protoss. At that time I was trying to learn Protoss. So I looked them up and I would watch their um, games versus other pros. And instead of focusing on the commentators and the game specifically, I would focus on their build and exactly what they did at each moment. So I would pause it and then write it down and I would write down every single move and build that they did and that's what really helped me improve is so i was like okay this is a build that i can do so basically i was kind of mirroring what they were doing and my micro was always pretty good um so i never really struggled too hard with that and then i realized that it was kind of one of my strong suits so i really kind of tried to do builds that were very aggressive in the early mid game so i can get some sort of advantage and then either play it out to the late game or just try and beat them in the early to mid game. Nice. So, so you, you kind of speak to a lot of analysis in, you know, watching professionals play and, you know, pausing videos, writing every step down, really analyzing what's going on, ignoring the commentator and just kind of watching the player. Uh, when you're coaching other people, do you generally look to coach their gameplay or do you also help like analyze their replays or teach people how to analyze like kind of what is your coaching style like? 
Right. So what I usually do is I'll go over a replay and I'll try and see all aspects of where they could improve on, whether that's trying to constantly make workers throughout the game, you know, spending down their resources. Do they have an adequate opening build order that can work versus each race? And then um, the other thing is, I guess, kind of goes hand in hand with constantly making workers is saturating all of their bases. Um, because some people have, you know, some bases that don't are not adequately uh, saturated. So that helps. Um, so usually I'll go through a replay and kind of give them some tips on things they could have done better, not only macro wise, but micro wise and decision making, like how they can um, outmaneuver their opponent or attack from multiple places at once. Um, also, some things about indicating scouting, what are good times to scout um so things like that and then after the replay we would i would go over some of the hotkeys that i have so camera hotkeys i usually don't have them change too much because obviously if you're trying to go to a whole different hotkey setup like mine it will take an extremely long time to get used to it so i usually just have them change a couple of camera hotkeys that i have or um, like the mouse scrolling option. I usually always tell people to have that close to 100% where it's if you're moving up or down, left or right on the screen. Uh, a lot of people still have that at 20%, which is the default, which I think is extremely slow. <laughs> so you have to try and get used to getting that higher. Um, and then after we would go over that, I would show them some build orders that I use versus each race that work very well and then kind of teach them it as well as show them some replays that I have um, versus uh, some people and grandmasters and stuff. Um, and then I would have them try the build order versus an AI so that way they learn it and I would tell them the build order while they're playing. And then if we have more time, I would then go into, um, I would have them stream on Discord so I could watch like live games and then coach them in live games, or if they have a practice partner, have them versus uh, their practice partner and use the bills that I taught them. Um, and sometimes we would just come up with other different macro builds or builds that I think they could do that maybe they already have. So they might already have a pretty good solid build order already. And I could be like, okay, well, if you do these couple of things, I think this build could be a lot stronger. So they implement some of those concepts in and um then you just see how it goes yeah so I, i'm i'm curious um whenever whenever you're coaching you know especially when you when you first started you, you were pretty young um did you find that that any of your customers or clients were were surprised at your age i mean i was in my mid-20s when starcraft 2 came out and certainly i would have benefited from your coaching i didn't know it was an option um, but I would have been very, we'll say humbled <laughs> by, by a high school person being that much better. I mean, obviously age doesn't matter in this context. And clearly you're, I mean, the fact that you're in master and grandmaster is the proof. Um, so age is irrelevant, but did you, was that a challenge at all or did people not really care? Um, I think for the most part, it didn't really seem like people cared. Um, I'm not sure if they thought maybe it was like, a little awkward because I know I'd have some people that I was coaching that were maybe late twenties 
uh, maybe even in their 30s. I would say the most common was probably like, um, probably low to mid 20s. Uh, which I guess is my age now, but that was mainly the people that I was coaching back at the time. Um, but I, I definitely had some people that were in their 40s. I had a guy who's almost like in their 50s before, and I've also coached like people who are younger than me. So it's a pretty big, wide range. But I'd say the most common is anywhere, anywhere from like probably 20 to 26 or something like that was a pretty common most common range i'd say right it didn't seem like anybody minded too much but i don't know if they um they were like oh wow like this this kid's like 14 or 15 <laughs> <laughs> maybe some internal humbling <laughs> no, 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 right. he's gonna be super vocal about that <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean well i mean the egg would be on on their face because right. it's like you could you could try and be make that a thing but at the end of the day again if it's me i'm i'm in bronze and <laughs> you're not so <laughs> who cares what i think about the age difference you know uh, and again it's it, not that it should have mattered i, I was just curious because i could see where that would be uh, possibly challenging um so are, have you ever been and i don't even know if this really exists like i know it used to in, in counter-strike really heavily with coaches on staff for a pro team have you ever been you said you've been affiliated with different pro teams as a player. Have you ever been like an official coach for a team or does that not even really exist in the StarCraft world? Um, I know some clans, they have people that'll coach other people in it. Um, and I have done a little bit of that. I guess I wasn't technically assigned though, where right. it was like, oh, you, you know, like you're responsible to coach everybody on the team kind of thing. But um yeah, I have coached other people on the team before. Um, yeah. So when you uh, you mentioned that your parents had some hesitancy uh, bringing you to tournaments and trying to keep up with your schooling while also trying to be a pro player, uh, as you transitioned to coaching and you're still pretty young, uh, you I assume probably started bringing in some money fairly early on that did that kind of help change your parents minds at all or was was coaching starcraft like your first job it was yeah it was my wow. first kind of job that i had and uh once i was like 14 yeah 15 i started pulling in a decent bit of money and i started taking it pretty seriously too because every time i would come home from school i'd be trying to look to coach other people. And I would think about different ways to find people. Um, mostly I would find a lot of people in the game specifically, like in gen chat, or um, there would also be a lot of other popular chats like Husky Starcraft or Adopt a New. Um, then I would also look to Reddit and then Facebook groups were another good way to find people. Um, I know, one of a uh, person that I was coaching was recommending Fiverr, but I never decided to go with that. Um, but it might be a decent idea. I think that's probably the hardest thing is trying to figure out as many ways as you can to try and reach as many people as possible. Because I think there's a lot of people who, Gen Chat, for example, even people in Gen Chat aren't necessarily like paying attention to it. Uh, especially because a lot of people are kind of spamming like random things in the chat. Um, no, so... you lie. <laughs> <laughs> so that I think that's the main struggle that I had a little bit is 
Um, but even still, I remember back in HOTS, um, when the game is a little bit more popular too, I would be finding at least one or two people a day for the most part on average. Um, so how did, how'd your family take that as like your first job and, and bringing in an income off of this, the, the, the change hearts and minds some, or they did a little bit. Cause like at initially, I mean, my dad didn't really care too much. He was kind of fine with it because he right. was into Starcraft before my mom, like wasn't for it at all. She's like, Oh, like, why are you just sitting in your room playing, you know, Starcraft 24 seven, get like, a real job. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> I mean, I started showing her my PayPal, I think at one point and she was like, Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. good. How are you? Are you a are you a hacker? Are you hack are you hacking the internet? No. <laughs> Is that where you're making this money? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I tried to tell her about uh, the coaching and then also playing for teams and tournaments, and she didn't think it was like possible that you could make money from something like that. And um, yeah, it was it, it was kind of a, a goal of mine to be like, oh, I proved you wrong, kind of thing. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So, so how about now? Has you know now that you've been doing it for a number of years, is there there's still any strangeness in that, or is it just kind of accepted and normal for now? It's kind of accepted. I am a little bit more busy now than I used to be. Um, when I went to college, I got on the school soccer team because I used to always be into soccer. So I got a little bit busy with that, and as well as trying to keep my grades up with double majoring. I major in finance and management information systems. Wow. Um, and then another thing I got into with one of my friends who went to college is uh, stock trading. So I got into that about two to three years ago. Um, and initially, at first, I was doing a bunch of things wrong. You know, I was trading in penny stocks and then I was losing money on bad trades and things like that. And I sat back and I was like, okay, I really need to learn, you know, more things about what I'm doing. Uh, and I looked up a lot of other YouTubers online and other people that were really uh, good, like professional traders and kind of gotten a good understanding of how to use like a Bloomberg terminal, um, how to look at charts, how to do like fundamental analysis and technical analysis on companies. Um, and I got relatively good at it. I started trading, changing up my strategies, trading different stocks. I got more into trading more established blue chip companies, so to speak. Um, and then usually looking towards more swinging companies or long term with also day trading some options on companies that I guess, for example, at least I know I'm kind of going off track, but um, <laughs> with stocks, um, if you look at the one day time frame on a chart for technical analysis, if a stock goes down to, there's a thing called RSI, uh, which is relative strength index. If the stock dips to around under 30 hitting 20 in the morning, and usually another interesting trend as you'll see is around 9.30 or 9.45. There's usually a sell-off from the day before that people have placed orders after hours that want to sell off a stock. So sometimes you could buy a dip buy in the morning, get an option trade on that. Um, and usually the best way to do it is get an option that expires weekly because it has the most potential to go up that day. So you're able to buy the stock on a dip, like a call option, because you're betting it goes up. 
And then if it goes up one to two dollars, you can make anywhere from depending on the option, what it pays out. You could get anywhere from 10 to 30 percent on a small move that might only be a one percent move in the stock. And then you could just sell out. So those strategies like that has been helping. And even if you're doing on safe stocks of Apple or Microsoft, if you could buy it on a dip and you see it that it's under 30 for that short amount of time on the RSI, you could do a really quick trade and make a little bit of extra money that way. Um, and then a lot of other ways I've been looking into just companies that have big growth and buying either long options or stocks for at least a couple months or a year or two, depending on what I want to do. Another thing that I caught on really early to was weed stocks back like a year ago, which I did extremely well on, um, like Tilray. It's buying it at like four or five dollars and it spiked up to 70 at the peak. Um, so a lot of it is thinking about too what industries that people haven't picked up on and where the future um, is kind of heading to. And if you think that that industry has a lot of growth in the future and a lot of people are going to think about it because in a way too, at the weed companies, they aren't technically posting a profit. But as long as people are thinking about it and there's demand there, that's all you need for the stock price to go up. Because in a way, the stock is correlated to a company and fundamentals do matter. But for the short term, um, the stock isn't necessarily the same as the company. So, Yeah, well, so, I mean, a question I was going to ask you later in the interview was going to be, you know, do you foresee yourself going to another game to be a coach or anything, but I have to imagine that the trading stocks and all of that is far more lucrative than <laughs> Starcraft coaching. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm happy for Starcraft though, because it, it gave me the money to be able to learn about stock trading and then even kind of gave me the, the ability to have the patience of when I first got into stock trading and losing some money, I was able to, kind of still have that patience and be okay and be like, okay, you know, I've got to try and learn and reassess what I'm doing and figuring out what I'm doing wrong. And I think the, the good thing with the market at least is every mistake you make, you learn from it. I guess kind of just like with Starcraft as well, you could kind of realize every mistake that you've made, you can kind of change that for the future. And especially I think at a young age like me, it's good to, um, be able to grow from those mistakes than being like 30 or 40 and making a really big mistake with a lot of money and then being in a very bad position. So um, at least now I can take on more risk and realize what I'm doing wrong and avoid those in the future. And then if I can get some really big winners with growth stocks, kind of like the weed stocks, then that could be completely life-changing. So, mm -hmm. right. I mean, it, it also sounds like you've, you've, whether you had it to begin with or gained it from playing a very analytical mind, and I think that probably plays in some too. You've had a lot of practice in just analyzing trends, analyzing the meta, analyzing other players, and being able to take those skills and apply them to an outlet outside of gaming. But I mean, really stock trading is you can look at it like a game and if you analyze the the current meta and find a strategy that works and maybe not everybody's paying attention to then you can leverage that 
Yeah, it definitely is similar to like a game as well. And I think one thing that really helped me with StarCraft is the ability to kind of be able to manage or multitask a bunch of different things at the same time. Because especially when you're um, trading stocks, especially if you're doing short term things, you can have a bunch of different stocks on a screen that you're watching at the same time, looking for some of those things like I was saying before, if a stock dips really hard, but still there's an overall bullish picture in the market, meaning the overall market is going up, um, then you can do a dip buy on it with an option and make a couple percent that way. And if you're able to find a lot of those opportunities at the right time, then you could be pretty successful if you're really doing short term trading kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely it's definitely taught me a lot. Yeah, it's it's almost like you're you're kind of leveraging the micro of the individual battles of stock trades to win the the overall game there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> lots of small battles. Well, so yeah, you mentioned multitasking. Is do you think that's the most um, important skill set a person can have to be proficient at StarCraft, or is there there's something else that you would point to? Multitasking is definitely very important. I think the most the hardest thing to do in StarCraft is be able to micro extremely well and try to take advantage of a lot of opportunities in the game, but also be able to macro perfectly back at home at the same time. And I think that any players are able to do that are usually some of the best players. If you see, you know, Serral or some of the other pro players, they're able to attack their opponent and pretty much macro perfectly at the same time. Whereas a lot of people, even in grandmasters in my league, you know, people who have 5,300 or 5,500 even struggle to do that extremely perfectly, being able to attack at multiple locations, micro their units well, while they're still macroing completely efficient at home. Um, and I guess that's where the, the whole play with uh, like Archon mode comes into effect, where someone can micro and do those things, where someone's kind of macroing at home. Um, but multitasking is definitely really important because, um, one of my friends, he's also in grandmasters. Uh, he does a lot of like rush builds and timing attacks, all ins, things like that. And he'll, um, he usually always plays a very quick unit. So like Ling, Bane, Muta is usually his favorite composition. Um, even though he's not the best macroer in the world he's extremely extremely good with micro probably almost one of the best players i've ever seen and he's able to just even though he might be behind in supply by like 30 supply versus a terran he could still sometimes win the game because he'll be able to just get their units out of position do a bunch of damage with lings attack at another location and he just constantly keeps playing with the opponent making him move to a bunch of different locations um so now if he was able to do that and macro a bit better or have builds that are a little bit more solid he would probably be one of the the best players in the world possibly because that skill is pretty hard to find with i think even a lot of top gms is being able to effectively use their units constantly and find different opportunities to take out units there here and there even if it's only a couple of probes drones or scvs every little thing counts hmm. so no go ahead 
well, I was just going to say, it's just, it's interesting to hear you talk about the, the, the granular difference, even at the highest level, you know, to, to metal league plebs like Brett and I, if you're a grandmaster, you may as well be Serral, right? Like it would be hard for us to tell the difference if we played against anyone at that level. But, but when you actually get up to that level, I mean, as you just pointed out, you know, there's people in grandmaster, but then there's even another level beyond that. And then Serral's a great example even among the top pros, he's at the very top of that. It, 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 and so it sounds like you're saying it's just the, the details that really separates people at that highest level. Is that is that true? Yeah, I would say in Grandmasters, everybody can pretty can macro pretty well. A lot of people can micro pretty well as well. I think the biggest difference between, I think, someone like Cyril and then someone who might be you know, rank 100 plus GM or rank 50 plus GM um, is I think Serral might have a little bit more defined, uh, a little bit of a better build, defined build, and then also a better understanding of the game as a whole, being able to map like micro and then also better decision making throughout the game, knowing what to do at every single point. Um, and I think also kind of comes back to being able to how can you use utilize your units to the best of your ability i think that i mean the difference between someone in grandmasters it's like top 50 or top 16 na versus Serral is not a huge difference um but it, it's definitely a i guess a league above because Serral is kind of able to multitask better little probably has a little bit of a better build i guess in general where it might be very very small now someone in gm might play perfectly like perfect build all the way up to maybe you know six minutes in the game seven minutes in the game but then maybe make some small mistakes then whereas sarah wouldn't really make too many mistakes there so i guess it's really really small mistakes that are very kind of um kind of minute versus each league um, but I think what it comes down to a lot in GM is how well can you use your army? How well can you get your opponent out of position and do damage? Um, and that, and that really makes the difference. Cause I think a lot of people can kind of macro the same ability. Um, and if they were just doing straight up fights, it would be even every time, but yeah, again, I think that the main reason is just trying to attack at different locations and how can you get your opponent's army out of position to maybe be able to snipe a crucial base or a crucial expansion or do some sort of drop that might get you 10 to 15 or 20, you know, SCB or drone kills to win you the game. Those are all the little small things that I think um, makes a really big difference, especially in that league. Um, I think in, in lower leagues, like lower than GM, um, the the skill difference and a lot of things come more into play, like macro, micro, a lot of decision making is much of a, a bigger range, a de a definitely a big difference in skill level. But I think once you get to GM, everything is, it gets smaller and smaller the higher you get up in league.
Hey, Walker, do you know our podcast is almost big enough to start selling ads? Yeah, I had noticed that. So what do you think? Should we go mattress company, VPN, some mobile game? Uh, I was kind of thinking maybe coffee. Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some good free trade local. No, no, no. Like Ko-Fi, like donations. Oh, oh, right. So so we we do ads for Ko-Fi and for coffee. I mean, I guess that could work. But I was thinking that people could support the show with really small donations about the cost of a cup of coffee. And then we could skip time talking about mattress companies or mobile games and just keep all of that content out of the show, uh, they can just head over to our Ko-Fi page over at ko-fi.com slash P-U-I-S-Pod and contribute to us there. Oh, I get it. So you're saying even if our listeners donated a single dollar over at ko-fi.com slash P-U-I-S-Pod, it would go a long way towards funding the podcast. And in the future, we could even offer cool things like merch or rewards and stuff like that. Yeah, no, that's definitely one way that we can pay our bills, keep our mics hot and keep the show going. And if they can't donate, that's okay too. Let's just let him get back to enjoying the show. So would you say, and I know you're kind of alluding to this some Walker, uh, I hope you don't mind if I steal, but would you say that in coaching, uh, do you find yourself more often teaching players kind of how not to lose? Like they're making mistakes that are costing them the game or how to win, like getting them to be more aggressive or multi-pronged attacks or things like that? Yeah, so it kind of depends, too, on what league they're in as well. I would say generally the league that I've coached the most is usually Platinum or Diamond. Um, so mainly, they, and I guess in that league, they have the basics down, um, being able to spend their resources and constantly make workers, things like that. But then at the same time, their builds aren't completely refined. They definitely make some mistakes with micro. They may not have the best decisions at times. So that's mainly the, the things that I focus on. And I'll usually show them a bill that I do exactly at each point, pretty much up till around, you know, six, seven, eight minutes in the game, because that's up until that point, the first like five, six minutes of the game is the most important. Um, I would say even the first four minutes is the most important because that really sets you up for success, I guess, for at least the rest of the game. And if you kind of do a crucial mistake, then it really puts you further behind. Yeah, well, and, and kind of where I was, what I was thinking too is just at the highest level. So when we're talking, you know, Serral type players or, or maybe even Grandmaster League, um, so maybe not in the lower ranks, but, you know, like in a, in a, like I watch professional basketball, right? Um, in that, I don't, yeah, sometimes people make great plays to to win a game or something, but really if you look at it, mostly what's happening is, to your point, like the skill levels are pretty even. So more often than not, it, it's really more that someone's kind of losing the game by making little mistakes. It's kind of like whoever makes the most mistakes fastest loses versus someone is making a bunch of winning plays. Does that make sense? What I'm, what I'm getting at there? Yeah. Yeah. I, especially in like higher level, it's a lot of who, who's going to make more mistakes. Uh, mm -hmm. A person who makes more mistakes usually ends up losing. Right. Um, that's, that's typically how it goes, especially in a really professional high league. Um, you know, especially with other pro players, like, versus Cyril as well. All of them are really, really close in skill level. It's pretty hard to tell. It's just that 
who's going to make more mistakes in the game and who's going to decide to go for a build that might not be the best build for that situation. Because there is like, especially in StarCraft, there is kind of like blind counters or some builds that'll be better against some other builds that opponent can do. So a little bit of it is luck as if, you know, maybe Serral studies up on a, on a pole or something, for example, or Maru and knows that he's going to do some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of build and he's just like okay you know i'll i'll do this to be kind of able to counter what i know that he normally does in a tvz game and yeah that makes sense kind of be a little bit ahead at that point right right so that's kind of an example where where someone is more so making a play to to take advantage of something as opposed to just mitigating the amount of mistakes that they have Mm -hmm. yeah now they could still easily lose even if they have a slight advantage because of a, a build order advantage, but they're usually have to make more mistakes. They, they can be able to make more mistakes because of that advantage, I guess. But So do you see yourself, I mean, there's been a lot of talk lately about uh, kind of the future of StarCraft. Of course, we we're set up pretty well through about 2023 or so. Um, but with the kind of shaky future of StarCraft and possibly of, of coaching, do you see yourself moving on to potentially coach other games? Are there other games that you like to play that you think you would like to coach for? Or do you see yourself moving into maybe like a financial advisor and taking your coaching skills into a whole new sector? Yeah, I, I would like to do a financial advisor route. I do that a lot with a lot of my friends. Look, they'll actually come to me and ask me about a lot. Of you teach them their macro and things. their micro on their. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, um, but in terms of StarCraft, I haven't played. Honestly, I haven't played really too many other games besides StarCraft. It was pretty much my entire focus for the majority of my life. I mean, it's kind of crazy that I've probably played starcraft for like 75 percent of my life because i'm 21 now almost turning 22 started playing when i was eight years old um so it's it's been a insanely long time i never really stopped playing starcraft for a long period of time at all maybe the longest time i've not played a starcraft game was maybe a week um so I've never had a long period of time where I didn't play, and especially all the way up until probably the end of high school, I was playing, you know, anywhere from four to eight hours a day at least. Sometimes on the weekends, it would be even even more than eight hours a day, just constantly playing. And I guess that's part of the fact where I was, I was able to get to Grandmasters in the first place. But um yeah, I really, really like the game. It's my favorite game. And I never really got any, into any other games. I've recently started playing uh, League of Legends because a lot of my friends from school and a lot of people from StarCraft that I was friends with, a lot of them went over to there. Um, I've been playing a bit, but I'm not really that good. I'm low silver. So, <laughs> how's it taste? Um, yeah, so it, it, I, I guess it's new because I've always kind of been decent at StarCraft, and I come into league, and a lot of my friends will be like gold or platinum or diamond, and they'll make you know they'll make fun of me. They'll be like, "Oh, like, carrying you know. the grandmaster over here," you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, 
I don't know. I've been trying to learn a little bit and I play for fun sometimes, but I, for the most part, I'm not taking it too seriously. Um, I'd hope that Starcraft could still be popular for a while. I know that it's been kind of falling off, especially, I guess, kind of since Blizzard decided that they weren't going to make any more like updates or things to the game. Um, I have some hope for like the future though, that hopefully it'll be some sort of like new RTS that people get into. Cause I think it'd be kind of sad if Starcraft really was the last RTS cause there really isn't any other RTS games out there. Um, so I hope there'd be something in the future. I know like with Frost Giants, there might be some sort of future with that. But I guess at the same time, it's also considering what people, what kind of games people want in the future. Um, and I'm not really sure what that is. I mean, at the moment, it seems like a lot of people like games kind of like Overwatch or Rocket League or something like that. Um, I mean, even MOBA's kind of like League has been falling off a little bit. It's still very popular, but I've noticed that the viewers and also the amount of people who play have been falling off. I think it's a little bit due to just like it's the same map every single time and a lot of the new champions that they come out with are very similar to the old champions that mm -hmm. have already been created. Um, so I don't know. I, I guess I think it's... It's going to be interesting to see what the next big game is going to be. I I would love it to be RTS again if they make some sort of new RTS game and get some sort of hype back like what StarCraft was in early Wings of Liberty uh, when the game was super, super popular. My, uh, my dream is always kind of that EA sells, uh, uh, sells back uh command and conqueror to whatever can become of what what used to be westwood and that can come back it's never going to happen but <laughs> but no it's in game design it's one of those things where they say it's always very difficult because it's so hard to predict three to five years in the future because that's the dev cycle of most games and so if you were to start developing a battle royale right now it's three to five years before that comes out you could it can go either way. Either they could die off today and in five years you could be the resurgence or they can keep getting churned out and you'd just be one in a pile of others. So it's it's always a real tough call when, when getting into game design. You, you never know it's going to take off. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's difficult. Um, and I even think, at least with Blizzard, I don't even know if they really expected StarCraft 2 to really be as popular as it was. Um, and it's kind of crazy that it pretty much defined like the whole esports and um, even kind of created a lot of people's careers on Twitch and stuff. And I remember like Destiny and Idra like streaming and they were getting like 10,000, 20,000 viewers. And it's crazy. And that's more than like even most people today streaming um so yeah yeah i think it, it seems like the trend has gone towards like i know a lot of people that i know that like to play competitive pvp games um like something that they can do that with their friends with right so rocket league mobas overwatch counter-strike all of that even if you're not going to try and be the best or you know compete at the highest level it's still competitive and you can do it with your buddies. 
I think StarCraft or, or, you know, it won't be StarCraft, I guess, at this point in time, but whatever the next RTS is, you know, maybe it's from Frost Giant. If it's going to be head-to-head one-on-one gameplay, which I think is appropriate, I think that they're going to have to have some way natively for people to to watch matches. Like Brett and I and another buddy of ours, we went into the StarCraft II arcade where they have the the modes, you know, the, the arcade modes or whatever, where you can round robin and then do spectator and, and that sort of stuff. And that's there now, but that wasn't there when it launched, right? I think, and I don't know if that's the answer, but I think something like that um, would help promote it because I think people are looking for a, a social experience with gaming and StarCraft isn't really that social if you're playing because it's one-on-one and <laughs> you certainly can't be chatting with someone else <laughs> while you're playing. Right. Uh, right. maybe, maybe you can, I cannot. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's definitely a game that, takes more focus than a lot of other games that's for sure um and like you said for whatever reason too i guess they do have teams and they do have archon mode and things like that but i guess the real most popular thing is 1v1 and some people are into twos but it's not crazy popular well i think the game's kind of designed and balanced around 1v1 right so i mean those other modes are there but they feel like extra modes as opposed to like the you know in air quotes, the real game or whatever. Um, so to, to go back a little bit more to, to your coaching stuff, you know, to, you know, Brett plays Zerg primarily, and I've mostly played Protoss. And to us, you know, the three races seem to some extent like three very different <laughs> games. You know what I mean? Obviously it's all StarCraft, but there's a lot of difference there. Do, do you see the races as, as wildly different or are you like Neo in the Matrix and you're just seeing the code and it's all just one one thing for you? Yeah, actually with some of the build orders and stuff, like Terran and Protoss is pretty similar hmm. when you're building like your, um, you know, Nexus versus your command center. Um, I think even for Protoss, it'll usually be like, gateway and then cybernetics core and then you grab your nexus at 20 or 21 that's like the same thing with um with Terran, where you're doing like the reaper expand and then you get your command center at 20 and your reaper at 19 it's kind of like almost the same similar thing and some build orders are somewhat similar um i think Terran they kind of work very like linearly where everything is kind of um, you know, it's like one, 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 um, with the build orders and Protoss, um, they're a little bit different, but I, I guess in terms of with Terran, I feel like, um, Terran or Protoss, you're always kind of have some sort of build in mind. I feel like Zerg, you're usually playing reactionary. So it's kind of based on what you scout. And then what you need to do, because if you don't really scout anything that's going to pose some sort of threat, you could just drone up and then try and get on to three, four bases and then just mass a bunch of units at your opponent. Um, but yeah, I think at Protoss, generally, they have the best army late game. So a lot of them just want to try and survive to the late game, get a good economy, and then just build up a very pretty much unkillable late game army. Terran, I feel like is kind of a little mixed because they have to do damage. Um, 
and they do have a very like turtle style with mech and all that but uh i feel like they're kind of a mix where they don't necessarily want to just sit back to the late game and get an unkillable army um but you're not really reactionary necessarily either so I feel like Terran's maybe almost the most kind of different in a way. I feel like, in my opinion, playing all the races, I feel like Terran is the hardest to play um, just because to really be successful, you have to be constantly doing multi-prong attacks with like dropping your opponent's base. With microing, it's very difficult too, especially versus Zerg or TVT. Um, because you kind of always have to be on top of your army, especially if you're going bio, your army's very fragile. Um, where Protoss, they don't have a lot of spellcasters either. They're only spellcasters like a High Templar or like Disruptor. Um, and then again with Zerg, they don't have a ton of spellcasters either. They got like uh, Fester or Viper or Queens. Um, and depending on what army you have, or what army you need to have to beat like an end game Protoss army, then Zerg could be, you know, using a lot of different spellcasters and have a hard time because it might be like transfusing your army and then trying to parasitic bomb and blinding cloud at the same time and then trying to take over carriers or something like that with your with your investors. And that's extremely difficult for like most people to do. Um but yeah, I think Terran's probably the hardest in terms of being able to micro your army and just doing build orders and stuff in general because uh, i think at least with like protoss and zerg you don't have to put as much focus on your army um and then with zerg as well um the i guess the convenient thing is you just got to remember to inject and everything comes from one hatchery one building where with zerg you're kind of with Terran or Protoss, you have to have a ton of different buildings. At least, the, I guess the convenient thing with Protoss too is being being able to kind of warp in from anywhere wherever your base is. But with Terran, uh, you just have to build your units from wherever you make the building from. Um, so I don't know. That's probably that's. I guess that's my opinion. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. So jumping back to you know, you're spending whether it's all of your time like coaching or playing um as you're getting up and playing and now of course school and you know dealing with stock trading and whatnot as well um what do you do you said you don't really play too terribly much other games you said you play a little bit of league for fun uh but what else do you do when you need to unplug and kind of get away or do something else that's going to be not directly starcraft related where do you go do you do music or work with cars or anything else like that it's hard to say because most of my time goes into either a trying to do well in school um these like starcraft and then trying to be on top of stock trading and investing uh so it's tough i guess the one thing i really like to do is like play soccer to get exercise nice or work out so that's pretty fun i mean i listen to music all the time especially when i'm playing starcraft um so music's a fun thing but what's your go-to generally... amp up song <laughs> um 
Like you've lost I, six games in a row. You need a win. You got to pipe yourself up. What do you play? That's a good question. Because the thing is, is like I don't have a favorite song. I just usually listen to whatever I like at the moment. And then whenever I like get tired of listening to it so much, I'll find like some sort of like different song or playlist. But I don't know. I have a, a really interesting taste in music, I guess, because I don't necessarily like 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 one specific genre i'll listen to music of like a bunch of different genres even music in different languages and stuff so it doesn't really matter it's just as long as i i guess i like what it sounds like then i'll listen to it um that's awesome i I am also a fan of the burn a song into the ground and then never listen to it again kind of (laughs) and then find something from a different genre completely and so i feel that yeah i get i give a specific song if i have one but <laughs> do you have a favorite playlist to go through like or or a, a genre that you find yourself listening to more than others you like drone bass edm i i would say i like um like pop hip-hop or rap the most nice um but lately i've been getting into like kind of like punk rock stuff like i liked a lot of the newer stuff that like machine gun kelly had yeah um so i started getting interested in that um and like some 41 like stuff like that uh but i don't know on my spotify i have like almost 1100 songs downloaded of like all the songs that i've liked so that's a ridiculous amount of songs I, I think that's a perfect, if not lacking number. I'm I'm in the same way. I'm a huge eclectic person when it comes to music. And so, yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Plus, I mean, I eventually I started getting bored of some of this. I'm always trying to find different ones that I'll like online because especially when I was younger playing StarCraft all the time, I would always play StarCraft with music on in the background. I had actually, even the StarCraft sound, I would have pretty low. I'd almost kind of play with no sound, just music, right. kind of just grind out. That was um, something that I, I found pretty quick is like, I didn't really like hip hop. I didn't think until a friend introduced me to like European hip hop. And I was like, I didn't know this was a thing. And that started breaking into like, well, yeah, I may not really like industrial, but like Czechoslovakian industrial is pretty cool. So I'll you know, like then branching into more languages and things like that. It, it can be a way to, to have vocals, but not necessarily pay too much attention to them. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. So back to d- d- completely not a good segue <laughs> at all. Um, Cause not related to music, but, but with, with coaching and, and just with like a Starcraft skill set. Uh, something I've heard before, I mean, the, the metric everyone's familiar with is APM, right? Like, oh, this person's APM is 200, 300, whatever. Um, but obviously that can be um, falsely generated, right? Like you can just press a bunch of buttons, but not really be taking meaningful actions with those uh, button presses. And I've heard it described before that, that a better metric, which there's not a way to, to measure it that I know of in the game, but a better metric would be like, how many screens per minute a person could look at as opposed to how many actions per minute they can take. Does that make any sense at all? And and what do you think about that? Yeah. Um, I guess with different, like how many screens you could look at as well. Um, 
I guess I could help. I guess when you're playing StarCraft, though, you're kind of only looking at one screen, right? I, well, guess, I guess looking at the mini-map as well. No, what I mean by by screen, so sorry, that was a bad way to explain it, is like camera shots. Like you're looking at you're looking at your base, and now you switch to the opponent's oh, base, gotcha. and now you switch to another location on the map. Um, right. But how many times you can change what you're looking at, analyze it, make a decision, and then you know go to the next? Does that make more yeah. sense? Yeah, I that that's definitely part of it. Um, being able to like kind of jump to a bunch of different locations that you need to, or like be able to attack and attack at some location, then jump back to your base quickly and do something there. Um, I guess APM also goes like somewhat hand in hand with that. I would say APM is it's important, but it's not insanely important because there's some people who can play really well with only a hundred something APM where then there's other players that are playing three, 400 APM. Um, and they could be the same league, you know? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't necessarily mean that like higher APM, you're going to be a higher league, but I think that it does help because if you're able to kind of play faster or just able to do a bunch of different things quick or quickly, hmm. um, I mean, definitely looking at a bunch of different screens and going to different locations is good, but it also depends on what you need to be looking at at a certain time and if it matters. Because uh, some places you might just jump to different locations. You don't really need to go there. Right, right. Yeah, and I don't necessarily even mean like camera saves or something. Um, I guess it's just an interesting conversation about multitasking because the truth is that a person can only actually pay attention to one thing at a time. So if you're multitasking, really what you're doing is you're quickly switching from task to task. And right. to some extent, being able to understand what a, what the, the, the most important, what the priority of the moment is, right? And so looking at a screen and and being able to, to read what's on the screen and then say, okay, based on what I've seen, this, is, this next action I want to take is the number one priority. And then just over and over and over again, you're kind of repeating that. Um, it's a lot yeah. of experience too, because once you play the game more and you kind of understand what's more important at a certain time, like you said, you pretty much switch from task to task very quickly. So you could be like, okay, this task is the most important thing to do. Okay, I could go to this. And it's kind of just kind of like a clockwork thing where you're just switching to a bunch of different things that you need to do. Um, and as you get better or as you figure out where you made mistakes, you'll kind of be like, okay, I should have done this instead, or I should prioritize these things over this. And you kind of prioritize the most important things first. Um, so. so I actually, again, we're just going to switch topics back and forth until we figure out something to, to <laughs> really drive in, or maybe we're both just kind of giving for what we want, but I, uh, I, I gotta kind of ask, we ask a lot of players this, and it's always something that, it, that is really curious is that you said you, you pick up Starcraft when you're eight. Um, and this could go a couple of different ways. So I'm going to probably just going to ask him every way I can all at once and see what, what sticks, but your current screen name at least is Raiden, which is kind of probably traditionally most associated with, uh, like Mortal Kombat. So were you a Mortal Kombat fan first coming to StarCraft or did you have a different screen name and adopt Raiden at a later date? Actually, when I first started playing StarCraft, I had a different screen name at the time. 
I can't even really remember because I'll I'll jump from a lot of different names all the time while I'm playing. And partly because of that is because I do do a lot of all-ins or timing attacks. So it's a way to kind of have people forget about me because I'll verse a lot of same people over and over <laughs> again. And sometimes I'll just try to blind counter. Um, like I'll do some sort of like Ling rush and then they just blindly throw down like three or four cannons without scouting. And it's, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, so I, I've changed it a lot. I have played Mortal Kombat in the past and I was kind of a fan of it. There was one game that came out um, that actually wasn't that related to Mortal Kombat. And it was on like the Xbox or something. And I played it with my brother and you'd basically kind of play as uh, I think Raiden or whatever. And he had like all the, um, it's kind of like a sword fighting game. You'd be like one guy and you just fight a bunch of enemies and stuff and there'd be bosses and everything towards the end. It wasn't the same as Mortal Kombat. I forget what the game was, but it was a lot of fun. Dynasty Warriors kind of? Kind of, yeah, and that's where I got like the idea of the the um, the name, and I just thought like, ah, oh, okay, I'll change my name to that, and then that's kind of what like the main thing that everyone refers me to now. Right. So I kind of just like went. With now it's it, stuck. Like, now you can't okay. change anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All the blind counters forever now. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. So something else I was curious about, you know, obviously primarily you're coaching people on how to play StarCraft, but I I would I'm curious, I guess, do you ever find yourself coaching people on more like life coachy type things? And I don't mean you're telling them how to, you know, live their lives necessarily, but how to overcome anxiety, how to overcome getting down on themselves when they make a mistake, like those kinds of things that aren't really necessarily related to a build order or related to a unit composition. Um, does, does that make sense at all? And do you find yourself engaged in that? Yeah. So I guess trying to kind of coach people and other things beyond Starcraft. Yeah. Well, just, is it necessary? Like, I mean, do you have a, maybe you have someone that, that, you know, again, makes a mistake and then they just get tilted and now, and so it's like really what they need to learn is to not be tilted more so than, than just a, a build. And maybe that doesn't come up. That's, that's why I was curious. Yeah, some people, um, I, I think definitely it's not good to get too upset about like losing games and stuff um, with StarCraft. I know that it's definitely a little bit more, I guess, important to like some pro players or people who are really taking the game seriously, um, or especially if it's in like a tournament or something like that. But um, usually I would say the best way to... I think if you're just starting to get a little frustrated is to just like either take a break and then get back to it and then figure out, you know, maybe look at the replay and try and figure out where you could have made improvements. Don't be so mad at the fact that you lost because you made some sort of mistake. You've been losing a lot of games for the day. I would say the best way is if you're just getting frustrated, at least for me, when I used to get frustrated in the past, just kind of take a break, do something else for a bit. Um, and then kind of like later look back at it and be like, okay, I could have done these things better. I could, I could have done this and, um, kind of gives me, 
a better sense of mind at the time of looking at the game than just being like, oh, like, you know, I just, you know, got super mad at some sort of like play that some guy did or something, um, you know, and, and just be really aggravated about it and look past some of the things that potentially it could work on or something. So that makes sense. So as a as a lifelong gamer with a family of gamers, um, obviously it's kind of somewhat in your DNA at this point. So, you know, our tagline here on the podcast is why gaming matters and whether it's something very personal to you or the impact that you see in society, uh, we got to ask, why do you think gaming matters to you? I, I mean, it's definitely made a very big impact on my life um, in terms of meeting tons of people, a lot of people that I still talk to to this day. Um, and even really close friends of mine, even though I may have never really met them in person, I still talk to them pretty much on a daily basis. And it's very, very cool to like play games with them. Um, I think it's kind of a new, really fast growing industry that not only you can be able to have some fun, get a new interest and make friends from and make kind of like long-term connections with but it can also be a career you can also get into you know kind of like what you guys are doing a podcast or streaming um even trying to become a professional player and there's a lot of different avenues you could take from it i think especially like a strategy game like this kind of like you guys were saying i think it i think it's helped me with uh like trading stocks and being able to multitask with a lot of different things at the same time um, and I think it's got, it kind of helped me think of this kind of strategic analytical kind of mindset, um, that can really help with a lot of like even future careers in today's society. That's awesome. Uh, I, I, I love that answer. And, and, and really, you know, the, the reason that that's our tagline and the reason we always ask is because, you know, obviously for people like us, gaming is a very normal and uh, thing and a big part of our lives. But for a lot of people, and you know, to some extent, I think it's, it, it's a, a lot of older people, but even some younger people that just didn't grow up with gaming as an integral part of their lives, look at gaming as like equivalent to watching TV or look at it as a toy or something. And it can be that of course. Um, but you know, based on your own experience, it could also shape the rest of your life, right? It can be an income, um, coaching Starcraft probably beats mowing lawns when you're a teenager. <laughs> so, um, and, and yeah, I just think there's a lot of value to it. And, and the community aspect that you bring up is something that we hear over and over when we ask this question. And I think that's really, really awesome to hear every time as well, because again, it just shows that the gaming is not just something that people do in their basement by themselves or something, right? It, it the, people are using it to connect with, with folks from all over around the world. So, um, yeah, I just think that's awesome. Well, Raiden, we, we've had an absolute pleasure chatting with you tonight. Um, are you streaming on Twitch currently? I'm not. Okay. So do you have, is there anywhere that, that, that we should be pointing people to, to, to connect with you, to, to reach out to you, anything like that? Well, uh, people can reach out to me if they want. They could add me on StarCraft or reach out to me on um like facebook is fine i don't have a twitch currently i've been wanting to make one 
but I never did because my computer was extremely slow and my internet kind of sucked. And it's a little <laughs> bit of an excuse too, but Get that college I, internet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm in my, my college apartment right now. I have one semester, one month left to college and then I'm graduating. Nice. Congratulations. So, yeah, man. Thank congrats. You. That's but awesome. <clears throat> In terms yeah. of Facebook, I don't know if you guys want to, if I'll give you guys a link or something like that or my. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll throw that in the, the show notes so that everybody that's listening can go down there and click on it. So we'll uh, we'll grab that from you. And uh, is there anything else, anybody else you want to shout out or anything else you'd like to say while you're here? Uh, I guess I'll uh, I'll shout out my uh, my friends and family if they end up watching i'll send them a link and <laughs> for sure hopefully we'll cool, get to the end and hear the shout out right. <laughs> that's what it's all about so stick to the end for the shout outs people right that's what you gotta do <laughs> all right well again raiden thank you so much for your time man it's been a real pleasure thank you to appreciate it yeah actually i'd like one. to shout out oh, uh, Hexon too yep uh, i was i was gonna say Always, as always, a huge thanks to Drickett for uh, for bringing us together and bringing you on the show and and kind of bringing the connection to us. So, yeah, that's we've been we've been sponsoring the the Exxon Weekly Open Cup for uh, several months at this point, and so yeah, we're we're huge fans of Team Exxon as well. So glad to glad to to be affiliated at this point. Yeah, it's a great clan, <laughs> for sure, for sure. All right, well, thanks again. We appreciate it. All right, thank you. Appreciate the time. Bye bye. So that's all for our episode today. If you like this episode, consider buying us a coffee at our Ko-Fi page, which is ko-fi.com slash P-U-Y-S-Pod, or just tell a friend about us because word of mouth really does make a difference. All of the links and social accounts are available in the show notes, and if you want to hear from more of us on topics outside of gaming, Walker's podcast, The Walk Show, talks about the walk of life while interviewing various guests, and my podcast, Dungeons & Dinners, is where the love of fantasy is food for thought. 